Matthew 6 and verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let's read verse 9 together, shall we? One more time. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So they ask how to pray, and Jesus said, pray in this manner, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then verse 10, how, do, how does it read, everyone? Let's read it together. All right, that, that was... Uh, slightly weak but we're going to try it again here we go verse 10 thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven see i'm reading it exactly the way the king james translated it thy kingdom come period thy will be done everybody in earth do do we have any bibles do some of you have bibles can we okay here we go let's try it again verse verse 10 thy kingdom come thy will be done in in earth as it is in heaven. All right, so that's what I wanted to start with. And so we're talking about building the kingdom. And some people have a little bit of a, you know, they get a little bit uh, weird when you start talking about building the kingdom in earth or the kingdom coming in earth as it is in heaven. And of course, it doesn't have anything to do with building buildings. Although, I mean, it might have something to do with it. Buildings might be a part of what you're doing that helps to magnify the Lord and so on. I th- how many thank God for a church like this that we're in? I thank God every day for it. But the kingdom of God is not uh, meat and drink. It's not the, the building that you're in. The kingdom of God is something far more powerful than that. How many knows that's true? And so he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, not just in heaven, but in earth, that's his will. And that's what we're praying tonight. I'm asking the Lord to help us to see ways that we can, we can build the kingdom. Now, my assignment tonight, that is to say, what we've been praying about, we, we've spent a long time thinking through, Lord, what is it you would have us to do? And my assignment is, uh, let's see if it'll come up here, 10 rules about how to uh, be growth-minded. Everyone say growth-minded. So we're going to look at 10, I'm going to call it that, 10 rules for how to be growth-minded. And to build the kingdom means, of course, that many souls will be saved. How many want to see souls saved tonight? That's our desire, that souls would be saved, that God would touch lives. And so we're building the kingdom by winning souls. And so we're going to talk about being growth-minded, having an attitude and a heart that says, Lord, I want to see souls saved. I want I want the will of God to be done. Listen, you can't expect people to want to attend your church, number one, if you won't even ask them to come. They're not going to want to come to your church if you don't even want them to come. Or if you, you won't let them sit where you sit. Or you, don't, you can't be bothered by them. You've got to get an, a growth-minded attitude. And, of course, we all do, and I do. Now, the second thing here in building the kingdom is our, our spiritual focus that we looked at last Wednesday night. I'm going to repeat it here tonight. It's at the bottom of this page, and I'm calling it the 4-2 vision. Everyone say 4-2. All right, the 4-2 vision. First of all, our spiritual focus, and this is our first uh, rule, as we're saying, but rule doesn't seem right. Let's, I don't want to say principle, because I do want to look at several principles, and, and uh, I'm not talking about principles, but I'm talking about 10 basic aspects or rules 
of growth-mindedness and how it will affect us and how it will touch lives. But first of all, let's look at our spiritual focus for the year, which is revival without compromise. Can you say that with me? Revival. All right. Revival without compromise. That's, our, that's what we're believing God for. I believe that we could run a thousand. I, I don't know when, but I believe if God helps us, we could have a thousand people born again and, and uh, their lives touched and, and become members of this church. It is possible. We wouldn't get them in this building because th- th- we can't seat a thousand people in here. But I believe we could do it. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not prophesying. I'm just saying I believe it's possible if we worked hard enough and we believed God and we loved enough people and we taught enough Bible studies, we could win people. How many believe that we could have revival? But no matter how many people we win, we cannot compromise the gospel in the process of it. That is not the purpose of God. But I believe we can have revival without compromise. We can have people saved and the church grow and, and everything be according to uh, what we might call growth principles and still not compromise. Now, I know that the, the, the problem is, you know, the love of money. What is the love of money? That, it's the root of all evil. Is that what the Scripture says? Isn't that what Paul said? The love of money is the root. So we have to begin to realize Jesus himself said, now I don't want to be too, uh, I, I'm, I want to be careful here, but I'm trying to tell you that, you know, we sometimes say, oh, it's no problem. You know, you never have a problem with that. But there's been many a people that once they achieve something great or once they reach certain numbers or maybe we could say succeeded, then suddenly they were tempted to compromise. How many know that's true? That happens to people. Some people, when they're poor, they're great Christians, but when they're rich, they're not such great Christians. They lose sight of the goal. They get their eyes on the money instead of the prize. They lose sight of what it's all about. And so what I'm trying to say is, what my goal is, is that when we reach a thousand, that we're still preaching the old-fashioned message. We still love God. Hey, folks, I think it's time that preachers cannot be bought by people's money. And it's time for the Word of God to be afresh in the hearts of the people of God. So revival without compromise. But then, of course, our rule is, or principle, or whatever we're calling it, maybe something will, maybe, oh, oh, where is Sister French? Hallelujah. Oh, there's Sister French. There's two Sister Frenches right there. Praise God. Is what I'm calling the 4-2 vision. That is vision for tomorrow. Can you say that with me? Vision for tomorrow. So whenever you hear throughout the year that we're talking about the 4-2 vision, that means we're talking about looking ahead at what God can do. I'd like us to lift our hands and ask God to help us to be able to see ahead by faith what God could do. Lord, I believe every pew could be filled. I believe lives could be touched. I believe families can be changed. Young people can be converted. The Holy Ghost can fall. I believe you can touch our, our, our county and our our, our leadership, you can help us to have an influence. I believe that you can do it, Lord, but we've got to have a vision for it, a vision for tomorrow. And Lord, I pray that when we hear the term 4-2 over the next several months, and as we're trying to raise this and that and do this and that, that we will keep our hearts fresh on the reality, Lord, that it is all about what you can do. Amen. You see, faith is not because something already happened. Faith is is what God is able to do in the future. Praise God. So uh, 
faith is the substance of what you hope for. And so faith is something that we're reaching ahead for. And so we may not have it. How many are praying that God will answer? Anybody got a prayer that you're asking God to answer? All right, well then that's faith. Faith says, I'm asking God to answer this prayer. Amen. I'm going to have to un... Uh, my goodness, this, this day... Hallelujah, what a wonderful day. Now, so, revival without compromise and vision for tomorrow. That's our 4-2 vision. Everyone say 4-2. All right, so that's our very first one. Now, we, we would then see this as, as forward-mindedness. So growth-mindedness, number one, is a forward-mindedness by faith. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move forward by faith. Someone said, well, I'm discouraged. I, I'll have people say that. You know, the number one people, I, I mean, the number one reason that people don't do what they ought to do is they get discouraged. Now, that may, they might mean they're tired. They might mean somebody was mean to them. You'd be surprised how many people will stop doing what they ought to do because somebody's mean to them. You've got to have more get up and go than that. Someone told me the other day, my get up and go got up and went. And I said, well, wait, that's it. You've got to go find it. Wherever it went, you've got to go find it. And I don't mean by that you never get discouraged. But what I'm talking about is when you give up because you think, okay, now I'm just discouraged. Somebody did this or something happened. You feel like you can't go on. Forward-mindedness is saying, no matter what happened in the past, I'm believing God right now for what God can do tomorrow. I have faith for what God can do tomorrow. Praise God. God is able to do what no man can do. Someone said, someone said this recently to someone, not to me directly, but someone said this recently, that holiness, that's, an old, that's the old way of thinking. Someone said that. That's the old way. That's the old-fashioned way of thinking. No, no, people don't think like that anymore. But I got news for you. There's a lot of people that think that way today. They're hungry for holiness. Anybody here hungry for holiness tonight? Father, thy will be done. Let the kingdom come and your glory be in our midst. We thank you for it. I'm not interested in a charismatic church. I don't want to pastor a charismatic church. I'm not looking for a church where they do everything under the sun and they're just as evil as the evil crowd. I'm looking for people that have been born again by the power of God. And that can be if we will have forward-mindedness, if our faith is forward-minded. And so this is our very first step in building the kingdom. Everybody say praise the Lord. Now we looked at 15 things that we want to do in faith to say we're going to take these steps. Now, we don't have to do all of them. I don't care if we do half of them or 15 of them or we do 37 of them. It's just a way to say we're believing God that we can do some of the things. I don't believe it's the will of God for the, for, uh, the water pipes to break and never get them fixed and the awnings to fall off the building and, and you never get them. I don't believe that's the will of God. I believe it's the will of God for us to have faith that everything we need to do, we can do by the power of God. He will help us to do it. I believe we can have the best service this Easter that we've ever had. Anybody believe that? We can touch lives this Easter that we've never touched before because God will do the leading. And God, how many believe that God is the one that draws people to him? Yes, he does. He's the one that draws people to himself. And so we are trusting God. So look, look at these. If you count them, there should be 15 there. But the way this day is gone might just be 14. I don't know. 
but it's supposed to be 15, all right? So let's look at, for example, these two I put in blue because we're going to do these immediately. We're going to get new awnings. And, uh, and I think that in, in, in conjunction with it, we'll, we'll try to get the, the best price on these uh, blinds for the windows. And all across the front, those need to be redone. And then all across the back and then up the stairs in all the classrooms and uh, have someone come in and install them and get the best price and whatever. We're, we're, we'll search it out. Someone said, well, have you ever heard of uh, blinds for Jesus or whatever that one was? And, and uh, blinds, 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 blinds or three blind, three blinds or whatever it is. And I said, no, I never heard of that. I don't give a rip about them. I don't know a thing about blinds. I just know when it's done, we're going to get the best blinds for the price that we can. And there were every single penny that comes in. Hey, folks, I would rather see the, how many are excited that God is able to bless the church and help us to do more than we have ever done before? What we did, listen, what we've done in the past, what we did yesterday, God's not forgotten that. But that's in the past. Well, God wants us to have faith for what he's going to do today. Amen. Praise God. For example, some time ago, somebody worked on that parking lot, and it looked really, really good. But now it's been, I, I don't know. I've never checked. I don't plan to check. But I can tell you right now, it's been long enough that the cracks in the parking lot need to be filled and whatever they tell us will restripe and all that costs money. It needs to be done. And uh, we could wait till it looks like uh, New York was bombed by a nuclear uh, explosion, or we could start thinking about it now. When I invite folks to come up on this uh, into this church, I want them to drive around and say, "Oh, this is very nice," and th- and they do, of course. But it we have to look ahead. How many know forward vision is what we're talking about? So we have forward vision, and so we're believing God that He will help us. Things like an, an, the nursery. Of course, we're thinking about the nursery because there are going to be families that come that are going to need to be able to walk in there and feel safe, and and the equipment that's in there is safe and not not broken and so forth, and and everything is nice. I don't mean by that that we're trying to impress people. I mean that we're trying to have the things that we need so that when folks come that have babies and need to go into the nursery, they'll have a place to go. And our children will have a place to go. And our Sunday school teachers won't be frustrated. We'll be able to get the things that we need. How many believe it's the will of God that we look forward to what God is able to do with our children and in all of our ministries? And so we're looking at a new, uh, let, let me go through here. For example, uh, we're going to do an upgrade on the platform. We got this idea from the Little Rock Conference last year, and uh, I've, been, I've been praying about it. I think it, it, we can do this. I've checked into it. Fairly inexpensive to where, uh, wherever these columns go up here, we've got a designer that's looking at it, and we'll talk to you more about that. That'll be Wade, you know, we, we haven't even got the pricing on that yet, but uh, the, there'll be little lights that go up that will go up the wall like this instead of that one shining there, that, and you can change the color and so forth. So we'll call it floor lighting that will go all across the front. So if we want to have, like, turn the lights out, we'll be able to do some special things with the platform that doesn't have to be done from back there. Why? Because we might want to do some special things from the platform that people can see and say, look at those folks, they're worshiping, I love these people i like the way they do things praise god it's the will of god that we that we take those steps forward just like one day somebody put these things up here aren't those soundboards somebody did that that did they didn't just crawl up there 
Somebody went, somebody did that and someone decided they'd be that color and, and this carpet, somebody decided all of this because they were looking forward and we can't stop, we can never stop looking forward. Everybody say praise the Lord. Amen. So God's going to help us and we're going to do it in Jesus name. Uh, I, I guess about everything on there we've already talked about in various ways and you've had plenty of time to look at it. Oh, oh, by the way, we've had, we're almost 16,000 pledged. So vision for tomorrow has already begun. And really, it was almost like we weren't even really planning or thinking, okay, that's going to happen on Legacy Night. But it just sort of began to develop. And I got to thinking, well, that's the way God wants to do it. He wants to let it happen and open doors that the enemy says it cannot be, but God says it can be. Praise God. So God's helping us to do it. All right, now, let's keep going. So number two is the the lord's prayer and that is believing that god's kingdom will come so if we're going to be growth minded we have got to ask that god would bring in the kingdom and pray that prayer let's let's uh, pray the lord's prayer together shall we our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now I had a brand new song. Uh, Someone sent it to me about a week ago where it's this uh, group I've never heard of that sings a cappella. And uh, they won some big award somewhere. I don't know a thing about them, uh, but they, I played it and they sing, Our Father, da, 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 which art in heaven. And they, I mean, they, whoa, I tell you what. My goodness, I was going to play that tonight. And I got to thinking, not with Sister French out. Because i got to watch and make sure we're not losing everybody. But my goodness, there's something about it that says, Thy kingdom come. Anybody here believe that we can bring in the kingdom because we pray it every day? Does anybody believe that tonight? We can bring in the kingdom in the earth as God has ordained it. And so we become kingdom-minded. Let's keep going. Let's look at a couple things here. Let's let it come up. Uh, Kingdom-mindedness. Everyone say kingdom-mindedness. That's a tough one. Kingdom minded. That's much easier. I'm going to have to bring it up. I did not realize. Oh, come on. It, I'm going to uh, have to go back. <laughs> All right. So I did not set my PowerPoint so that it will come up all at the same time. Why am I not surprised? All right, now. So growth-mindedness has to bring with it a sense of urgency. There's no such thing as you just grow. Now, maybe, you know, people say, well, I was, next thing you know, I was 400 pounds or something like that. That, that kind of, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where you're intentionally trying to, to develop something so that it's what it should be. Um, this requires a sense of urgency. And this is our third principle. Say not ye, there are yet Four months. Let's say that together. Let's read it. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. How many notice it, what, what was wrong, uh, or uh, um, what did we not read just then when we read that? Does anybody notice? I mean, I didn't read it, didn't even account for it, and I did it on purpose. 
Uh, anybody? Since you're, it's kind of quiet, we might as well just do it like this. What did we? What did we not account for just then? A question mark. That is a question mark. Now, of course, I got harvest so dark I can't even see it myself. Say not. Say not ye. So. The King James translators were trying to say something like this, and I'm going to just re-say it so I can make my point. Don't you say there are yet four months and then come at the harvest? Isn't that what's typically said? It's about to be harvest in three or four months? That's really, it's a question mark. How many sees that question mark? All right, they put the question mark there. Now, I know Greek doesn't have a question mark. I know that wasn't there in the original because it, wasn't, it isn't done that way. But it's been put here because the translators are trying to understand it as a question. Uh, don't, don't you say uh, four months and then the harvest is coming? Yes, you do. But I'm telling you now, don't say there's four months, but look on the fields right now. The urgency is what he's getting at. And it is urgent that the church have revival right now. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It is critical that we have revival now. Folks, let me tell you something. If your children are not saved today, if your mother, father are not saved today, if your grandchildren are not saved today, then, and they're no closer tomorrow than they were today, then you're in a dangerous situation because Jesus is coming soon. It is not like you've got forever. You don't have forever. You don't say, oh, I've got plenty of time. You have to have a matter of urgency. You don't say, well, the harvest is coming in three or four months. When you do that, you mess yourself up. And an attitude, a, a lax attitude about growth will cause you not to have revival. But when you say, no, right now, it's time for revival right now. How many understand what I'm trying to say? I want us to ask the Lord to help us to have, let's pray the for revival right now. Could we do that? Heavenly Father, I pray that revival will come. I pray that our hearts will see it and that our faith will be lifted up. We thank you for it, Lord, because we're looking on the fields and they are, they are white. Praise God. Which, of course, reinforces what we just said, that when we look on the fields and we see them white, that that's faith. That you don't say nobody wants it. You don't say nobody wants to live holy. It's just us and we're all going to die and then it's going to be all over. That would be... Uh, uh, the wrong approach, Jesus said. Don't say you got plenty of time, but, but get urgent about it and lift up your eyes and see that, that God has given us faith. Everybody say faith. God has given us faith that the, the, the harvest is white. And, and Jesus said the harvest is white. We, right now we can look out over the harvest. We don't have to wait. There's nothing in the message of Jesus that says, oh well, wait three or four years and Jesus is coming. Just forget about it and, and get ready for the tribulation. There's nothing in the Bible like that. You can say I've lifted up my eyes and I see the harvest all around me. Someone said, yeah, but they're a bunch of uh, drugging, uh, evil generation. That's the harvest we're talking about. Praise God. So God is able to give us souls right out of this evil generation. Does anybody believe it? God is able to give us souls right out of an evil generation. So we look on the fields and you say, oh, that's going to take three or four months. <laughs> that's what people do. Oh, well, my goodness, that's going to take, man, and we're going to need a lot of money for that. So might as well forget it. It's going to take a long time. Look at them. Look how they're living. Jesus said, don't say that. Don't look at them and say, 
Oh, it's going to take forever. And I'm, I'm, I'm inverting this, but that's exactly what Jesus is getting at. You don't say, oh, it's going to take forever and, and we can just wait it out because it's, because it's so horrible. He said, look on the field right now. You're going to see whiteness everywhere. I'm going to give you revival. That's the will of God for revival, to see it the way Jesus sees it. Man, I've, goodness, goodness, goodness. Number four. All right, so, of course, I didn't mention that that means this is really, oh, oh, hallelujah. Oh, 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 my goodness. Oh, my goodness. All right. I never mentioned, of course, that this is a now-minded attitude, that revival is right now, that God's purpose is is taking place right now. Amen. The will of God is for us to believe God right now, not to say, well, uh, let somebody else do it. Or, I just can't be bothered. But to have a now urgency that says God is able to do it. All right, now let's keep going. Number four, and it's going to come up the same as the other, believe it or not. It is, uh, it's in stage mode. And so I have to keep, uh, doing this and then I'm not even sure when now I know it's ready because I'm on the next one. Hello. Hello. Oh, hallelujah. So there it is. Now, the next, the fourth one and we're almost halfway through these uh, f- ten principles or ten uh, elements that I think would give us growth and would help us to to live in a growth mindedness and that is what i'm calling harvest mindedness now i know we just talked about the harvest and uh, john 4 is certainly uh, about the harvest but i wanted us to go to john 9 and um, i'd like us to read uh, this together shall we can you read it from up here and notice that right here the key even though it's really dark in there i didn't realize that but let's um when i look here it's not really dark but when i look there it's it's pretty dark so let's read john 9 4 together shall we i must work the works of him that sent me while it is day the night cometh when no man can work so you can see that what I'm referring to here, and this, this is just my, I'm not trying to be clever. I'm trying to suggest that if we're going to see growth, then <clears throat> these are things that will help us. They're principles, they're rules, they're aspects of growth. But this one is what I'm going to refer to as harvest-mindedness. We have to have an attitude that says we must get the harvest in. Everybody say praise the Lord. Now, a while ago, we were looking at a now-mindedness about the harvest. That the harvest is simply, of course, an uh, illustration. It's not really a harvest at all. It's people being saved. But it's like when a farmer brings the harvest in. I used to have a fellow in my church in Chicago, and I, and I loved him to death. And he would always tell me that his favorite illustration, uh, illust- uh, not illustration, but uh, example, well, whatever it is, of... of uh, like a uh, of um it, like if you're illustrating something okay let, i'm gonna he would say my favorite one is a banker that's what he used to say all the time 
And he would say, Brother French, and I've developed it. He was a kind of a money man. And I'd say, well, uh, that's good. That's real good. But I said, I, I, I prefer the Bible examples because these are the ones Jesus gave. And he, they had banks in Jesus' day. And Jesus never said, uh, it, you know, it's like a banker. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but he loved that. And he would say, remember Brother John? He would say, uh, y'all, I don't know if you even remember him, but he, he would say, um, you got to make deposits. And he would come to me and he said, Brother French, you just made a great big deposit into my life. And that, these were all banking examples for him. Praise God. He would say, um, <clears throat> he would say, uh, like husband and wives, they've got to, you, you, they're having problems. Well, you got to, it's because you have, you, you've been doing, he would say, uh, you've been uh, <laughs> withdrawing too much and not putting any back in. That was his illustration for a husband and wife. I told him one time, I said, that's not very romantic. He said, well, that's a powerful thing. You know, you're taking, you're doing withdrawals, but you're not making any deposits. Not very romantic, I said. Mm -mm. That's why Shakespeare never talked about that. And he would say, oh, the, 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 the bank of heaven and stuff like that. He just loved that. It was really big. And, and I said, that's awesome. But there's something about how many love to read what Jesus said in the Bible. That's why, you know, we got, I, I don't know. Yeah, this Bible right here is a red letter. This is an expensive Bible. I bought this to replace several Bibles that I wore out preaching. And I'm, this is my third, uh, I call it my preaching Bible and, and teaching Bible. And I, I've got a third one now that's going to, this one's still in good shape, but the other two are, look, look like someone just ran over them. But all they did was just, they were in a pulpit. And I preached and used them and went and taught Bible studies and came home and got in the pulpit and went and taught a Bible study. And I wore those just like that one right there. And this Bible, as expensive as it is, is a red. You know what I mean by a red letter Bible? The words of Jesus are in red. And I love to read the words of Jesus. How many are thankful for what Jesus said in the word of God? And he said of himself, I must work the works of him that sent me. And of course, referring to the harvest because the harvest, the work that I'm doing, I must do now. There, I must have a sense that I must be about the harvest and the work of the harvest right now because this is the, the will of God because night comes when no man can work. In fact, uh, I've already said it, but the time, time for harvest is, is running out. I'd like us to... Uh, pray for souls that uh, are lost without the Lord. Could we just, for a moment, just without having to be coaxed, could we just pray for those that need the Lord tonight? For loved ones and family members, let's just pray a little bit. Father, we don't need the Lord's prayer to remind us that, that our loved ones are lost and that we've got to be about your business now. Lord, I pray that uh, the harvest of souls will become the number one priority in our lives and that it will help us, Lord, to reach out and to plant the seeds and to, and to do all that can be done to reach them while we can in Jesus' name. Praise God. Help us to do it. And I believe that God will, will help us. Praise God. All right, number five, and this will take us halfway, and that is soul mindedness now first of all i'd like to look at the ephesians 415 principle which uh I, i'm purposely putting an ellipsis on both ends and i'm only using these five words speaking the truth 
in love. How many sees that on the beginning I cut it out? I did it on purpose. And at the end I cut, I went back and I thought, why don't you just put the whole verse in there? And I just started, and I said, no, no, no. No, I don't want that in there. All right, so I just, you, just looking at this, let's say it together. Speaking the truth in love. Now, to me, soul-mindedness uh, is exactly, we're in a sense repeating what we're saying, but we're now emphasizing it in a different way. First of all, this, this scripture or this principle tells us that everybody needs truth and everybody needs the love of God. Do, do, how many believe that's true? That everybody needs love, they need the love of God, and they need to know the truth. And so you have to find a way to get both of them into the hearts of people. And this is what I'm calling the 415 principle. They need both. So you must love people. Everybody say love people. You must love people. And loving people changes everything. When you don't like people. Have you ever had somebody, don't, don't answer, don't, don't, don't say it. Don't, don't say it. Don't, don't answer what I'm saying. This is rhetorical. You, you, some of you notice that I do a lot of rhetorical uh, I was going to say to any of you have anyone <laughs> that you don't love and I don't want you that you just really don't like. OK, so don't answer. Don't, 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 no, 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 don't wait. Don't wave your hand. Don't point. OK, uh, is there anybody here that you had someone that you really had a hard time loving? You just just don't really like them. There's something about them that just grates on you. Well, it's really easy to not do things for people like that. You know, like open the door and let them open their own door. And then your spirit, you're going, oh, wait, wait. You know, and when, when someone, like when someone does you wrong, and I don't, don't you, I know you could answer this, it wouldn't hurt anybody, but if you, has anybody here ever been done wrong by another person? I mean like on the job or, or maybe in the family, somebody did you wrong, they did you wrong in front of other people. When they do that, your first, reaction could be I, I don't know maybe you're just got wings and this never happened to you but but your first reaction is you you want to you just don't want to do anything that makes it easy for them like one time sister Finch and I were evangelizing out of Memphis and her folks were living in Memphis and so um, <clears throat> we came into town and we had spent uh, we had had a home and, and we got rid of it and we went evangelizing. We'd been several years, whatever the years were. I don't know. Sister Finch will tell you someday when she's back. And so we rented a place to put our furniture. Everything we had, we put in there. And we prayed. Sister Finch would get in the car and she'd say, Lord, please keep your hand on, on our things. And we had uh, a family we didn't have very much stuff, not really nice stuff, but, but, but we would do it with our very best. And someone donated a beautiful set of living room furniture. And it was, uh, but it was, it wasn't, uh, so Sister French said, we're going to recover it. You know what I mean by that? We're going to re-upholster it, you would say. And so we took all of that, we bought the best fabric you could buy, and we hired people that came. And, and so that's what we did. It was the most gorgeous fabric you ever saw. I, I loved it. 
And I told Sister Franchise, it's the most beautiful thing you ever did right there. And there was these chairs, and you put these buttons in them, and the old-fashioned, I, I don't know, I think of them as French, whatever they were, but uh, kind of a nice back, and they put the buttons in there, and they were beautiful. I mean, it was so gorgeous. And then we, uh, I'd been in college, and, and uh, I probably wasn't even, oh my goodness, I, I couldn't even, I, I was in my mid to late 20s. And so uh, the Lord said, well, you're going you're gonna to evangelize. And so uh, I finished my degree and, and, and uh, church we'd been working in, we'd started a school and I was the choir director and I was the assistant pastor and I was everything except pastor. And so we were going and going and going. So we got everything and we put it in storage and we locked it up and we drove away. And one night, late in the night, we come driving back in town to check and get some clothes and things out of our storage. And someone broke into that storage room and stole that furniture. And you can tell by my finger. (laughs) You could tell by my finger and my voice that I didn't like that. And I got in there, I, I mean, I came that close to a grown man crying. Because I'd done everything, it took savings, it took money we didn't have, and Sister French spent hours trying to do that so we'd have something nice. And, uh, and Sister French did cry. And so I, I walked out of there, the, the Smiths were not too, just a little ways off, and I said, I pray Lord, forgive me again. This is the one millionth time I've had to ask forgiveness for telling this. I pray, Lord, right now, when they sit on that chair, that the spikes go right up into their (laughs) posterior. And Sister French said, honey, honey, like that. No, no, I mean it, I mean it. No, honey, honey. She had to get me under control. I said, okay, Lord. Forgive me, but I meant it. That's what I told the Lord. I said, forgive me, but I meant it. I hope the springs poke them right. Uh, as soon as they sit down, it just pokes them right up into their uh, backside. And I've repented many times. And now you don't sound, you, you're thinking, you don't sound very repentant, Brother French. You sound almost, you know, revived. You've revived that open scab. <laughs> but when people do certain things to you, sometimes you can't look at them the same way you would if you loved them. Now, I'm going to tell you a little something here. Sister French isn't here to verify it. Months later, when God provided and gave us a new place and all that he did, it was, of course, that all was history eventually. I got on my knees. <laughs> Sister Richard, tell you I did it. And I said, Lord, I, I don't know who that was that stole that stuff. But wherever they are, I want you to save them. I, I, I don't like them, but I want you to save them, Lord. 
I want you to get a hold of them. And I, I don't like them, Lord. I, I, I just really dislike them. But, but I pray wherever they are that you will help them and bless them. And that because they had contact with us through stealing my furniture, and I don't like it, Lord. As though he didn't know. That you will save them. And we may never know who they are. Now one day, I hope they, if they, someone walks in here and said, oh my goodness, you mean you lived in Memphis and was it that white and that really beautiful sort of a, uh, whatever that color is. Sister French can tell you. Oh yeah, that we are the ones. We, we, yeah, we, we, and then one day we walked, I mean, now it'd be horrible because when first, when they first told, tell me, we're the one that stole those chairs and the, that, that couch. The shock is going to be beyond, I mean, I hope I can control myself. No, I'm sure I will control myself. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a deadly machine, I know that. But I'm just hoping that, that I can hold these hands right here, you know. But, uh, but the truth is, <laughs> you folks, you, every one of you know Sister French is not here. This is what's going on right now. And, but the most glorious thing is going to be, how did you get in the church? Now, some of you are acting like, that's never going to happen. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. I pray that God would save them. I still pray that prayer. When I get a little aggravated and I realize my spirit's not what it ought to be, I say, Lord, whatever it is, whatever they've done, I pray that you'll turn their life around. I don't know them, but they're just like all sinners. And I ask you to touch them. Because if you can find a way to love somebody... And reach out to somebody in love, it changes everything. How many knows that love is the variable that changes everything? That's why when they spit in Jesus' face, he, he did not retaliate. Now, I've, uh, some, one guy told me one time he didn't believe in retaliating if someone was going to kill his, his family. I said, well, that's, I, I mean, I, I don't want to shock you, but I said, that's imbecilic, my brother. If they're going to kill your kids and you're going to let them? I said, send them to my house. If you want to know what will happen when someone tries to touch your kids and you think I'm going to sit there and say, oh, go ahead. Yeah, oh, I just love you. Just go ahead and kill my kids. You, you got another thing coming because I'm not about to sit back. But in the midst of it all, after I karate chop them and knock them out, then I'm going to get down and say, Jesus, raise this man up. From this karate chop. Because I do not intend to let him destroy my family. But I still love him. I still love him. Oh yeah. I still love him. Now it's hard to love him. You, some of you are not getting. I'm trying my best to get this across. It, sometimes it's hard to do. But when you love someone. You don't negate the principle of truth just because you love them. So they need both love and truth at the same time. How many understand what I'm saying? You don't tell your children, oh, I love you so much, you don't need holiness. You tell them, listen, honey, you need holiness because I love you. I'm telling you about holiness. I've had university professors. I've had presidents of, uh, of companies, people that, that have looked at me. I had, a, uh, I had a head of a university look at me and say, say to me, you mean to say that you think that I need to be baptized? I said, 
Well, sir, one time about, uh, oh, let's see, four or five years ago, I was invited to, how many ever heard of the Assemblies of God organization? It's one of the largest Pentecostal groups in the world. They asked me to come and teach on baptism in Jesus' name. And the president of their seminary looked right at me in front of 60 or 40, whatever the number was, 40, 50, 60 faculty. With the, I, was the, I was the speaker at the faculty dining uh, session. And he looked at me in front of all those people and he said, Reverend, I've been... I've been in the church all my life and, and, and I've been a symbol of God all my life. Are you suggesting that I need to be rebaptized in Jesus' name? I said, well, and the tears just started running down my face. I stand in front of all those people. I said, well, I was a symbol of God and the Holy Ghost spoke to me. And God's word spoke to me and said, obey the word of God. So I could make no exception for anyone in this world. No matter if you're assemblies of God, if you're Baptist, or if you are the Pope, you should be baptized in Jesus' name. So my answer is yes. I am telling you that you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And I'm telling you that because I love you. And the president walked up to the podium. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Get this on tape. So I want this verified. Walked up to the, not the president of the university, but the, uh, the, the, whatever he was president of. He walked up there from this seminary and he said, you know, I've never heard a Jesus name preacher who demonstrated so much that he loved us. And that he's preaching this because he really believes it. And he said, how many of you, how many of you can tell that Talmud really believes this? He believes everybody should be baptized a certain way. Their argument was it didn't matter how you were baptized. It didn't matter if you, if you ever were baptized. It made no difference whatsoever. And I said, and they, they, they all applauded and said, even if Talmud is wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you their conversation here. Even if Talmud is wrong here, he's got a PhD and he's Greek and Hebrew and he went to Wheaton and he's written this book and we, we're enjoying reading it. But you know, and now he thinks that we're wrong, that we ought to be baptized his way. But even if he's wrong, you know what they said to me? They said, it doesn't hurt to hear him say it because the way he's telling us this, he's telling us this in love. And so they said, and the head of the, one of the departments walked up and, and then later to me in person said, you know, I've never met any oneness people before. And he said, I'm really quite surprised. He said, I never, I always thought you had like six fingers and, and, and you carried these big clubs around and stuff. And he said, uh, you actually are nice. He said, in fact, when you were arguing from the Greek about why they should baptize in his name and why they actually spoke the name, you were very convincing to me, he said. And the reason I could receive it from you is because you were saying it with tears running down your face. He said, I've never heard anybody tell that before. And he said, you know what? It makes me want to listen to you. Now, he, and then he said, no, I'm not saying I agree with you. I, he said, I believe in the Trinity, and I believe you should baptize in the name of the Trinity. 
But he said, it doesn't hurt me listening to you because you're the way you're doing it. How many knows what I'm talking about? You're getting it now? And, that's, and I believe we've got a loving church. I want us to lift our hands and thank the Lord that we can preach the gospel in love. Lord, we can speak the truth and we can do it in love. Lord, we don't have to compromise either one. We can, we can preach it. Sometimes it's going to be hard and sometimes it'll be uh, difficult. People may say, oh, I don't want to dress like that. I don't want to do that. And we're still going to have to stand for righteousness. No matter what this world says, this world's in trouble, but we thank you lord because you are good to us and your presence is with us praise god all right let me go let me go quick all right i'm gonna have to hurry on the last ones but what's new all right revival mindedness is uh is the the basis of a growing church everybody say revival Revival mindedness is the basis of a growing church. Prayer mindedness. Now let's read Second uh, Corinthians here nine and six. He which soweth sparingly shall reap. Well, how sparingly? If you sow just a little bit, then that's all you're going to get. But if you pray or you witness or whatever, I happen to be applying this to prayer. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully so we need to pray last night at our prayer meeting we had very close to a record number of people uh for for prayer meeting that we've had since i've been here i mean we just had a good group of folks but how many believe that we can keep growing in our prayer meeting we can have more and more that will be a part of our prayer group because prayer is folks i listen i would rather you pray than anything else that you would do if you there for there is nothing greater that you can do than pray there's nothing greater you can do than pray because when you have prayed you have done the most powerful thing that you can do now i know someone might say well what about preaching and so on but i made the statement i'm going to stand by it prayer is the most powerful thing that you can do you oughtn't be preaching if you haven't prayed prayer is the most powerful thing that you can do number eight is worship mindedness everybody say worship they that worship him must worship him how in spirit and in truth, praise God. And someone, uh, and, and I'm, how many are thankful for the truth tonight? Praise God. You need to worship. We need to be worshipers. Now, I want to develop this. I want to talk what I'm going to call, and, I, and we're hurrying. What number was that? Okay, that's eight. So we're, we're getting close. Some of you are looking really nervous and, and, uh, and so on, but we're going to get there. Let's call this the saver, the saver principle all right from matthew uh five ye are the salt of the let's read it together ye are the salt of the earth but if the salt have lost his savor wherewith shall it be salted and what's another word for savor there's several but what would you want to just shout something out it's flavor. All right. That's, that's exactly right. You could use the word flavor for savor because in a sense, they are the same words, although it's more than just flavor. I'm not trying to limit it just to that. But if the salt loses its ability to give saltiness, in other words, it doesn't have the saltiness quality, then of what good is it? And the point I'm trying to make here in the savor principle is that if the saints are not what they should be, then we cannot 
have revival. We must have the saltiness. Ye are the what? The salt of the earth. If you do not become the salt, then we cannot be the church that God intends for us to be. For example, if you won't pray, don't expect other people to pray. Don't expect them to come in here and weep and cry and you're too busy roaming the halls. You've got to be willing to pray. And if you pray, then you will touch lives. If they see a praying church, they will know that it is a revival church. And listen to me. I'm trying to, I'm trying to hurry. I'm trying to stop. There are people watching us right now. There are hundreds of people, but there are some very distinct folks that you may not even be aware of. They're watching us, and they're saying, you're really strict, aren't you? And you, you folks don't do that, do you? And I've noticed this about you. And what they're watching is, are they, are they genuine? There's something about them. How many believe that God can bring in a whole harvest of folks when they see the church praying and, and being the salt of the earth? Of course, this goes on to say you're the light of the world and so on. You're, the, you're a light and you don't want to put it under a bushel. Okay, I guess it's on its own uh, time here. Um, and of course, number nine is that we be missions minded. Everyone say missions and the first Sunday of the month that now is our mission Sunday. And we're going, to, we're going to do everything we can to support our missionaries. In fact, why don't we pray for our missionaries? We're almost done. But let's pray that God will help each missionary. Father, Lord, we, we are supporting 65. And I pray, Lord, that, that you'll bless every one of them. And, uh, but there are many, 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 many more. And I pray for them, Lord, all across this world. Those, Lord, we just got word in from Ireland and Scotland. And, and Lord, I pray revival will sweep those lands. And for every nation, oh God, send uh, help to our missionaries that they'll know they're loved and, and that you'll use them in a mighty way. Amen and amen. So this is talking about the harvest of, I'm sorry, I can, this just, doesn't whoa. <laughs> okay, let's try that. The harvest of humanity, and of course, that is a worldwide harvest. Because, and 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 let me let me conclude here that when we are missions minded, then we are in something that is bigger than we are, folks. It's not just about how nice are these pews. But is revival taking place all over the world? That's why, by the way, you can't compromise. When you compromise principle and truth, then that causes someone somewhere else to compromise. That's why you can't do it. You, you, someone said, well, why don't you just let up for a little bit and let them bother poor little kids? Why don't you let them? Because if you compromise the truth, I'm not talking about, you know, popcorn, uh, uh, whether you like it, kettle corn or some other kind. I'm talking about the gospel. You compromise the gospel and that can have reverberations around the world. You stand for truth and you can affect the entire world. All right, now let's go to number 10. And that is, this really is dark. Look at those guys. I can't even see their faces. All right. This is the seven, seven principle. Ask. Everyone say ask. All right. So if you ask people, Matthew 7, 7, if you ask people to come to church, People will come to church. If you don't ask people to come to church, then they'll never know that you want them to come and they can't respond. It is not the will of God that people are left uninvited. So let's ask the Lord to help us to reach as many people as we can and that we can draw more people into the house of God. Could we do that by lifting our hands together? And we're, gonna, we're almost there. Father, I pray for every, every family member. I pray for loved ones that are 
are away from church. Some, some of us have loved ones that don't even go to church now. They used to, but they're not going to church now. And I pray that you will help them and that you'll draw family and loved ones back to the house of God. And those that we don't know, Lord, help us to let them know we want them to come. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together. We're, we're now through the ten uh, principles or aspects of growth-mindedness. Praise God. God's going to help us to grow. God's going to help us to reach out. And, of course, we've got Easter coming in a few days. And a lot of folks would come. They, you asking them to come will be the thing that gets them here. They're already thinking about it. But let's praise the Lord as we dismiss, shall we? Father, we thank you because there's so much we can do. Help us to do our best. And Lord, we are, we're just uh, human and in ourselves. We cannot do it. But by the grace of God, we can make a difference. And Lord, I thank you for it. And I give you all the praise in the name of Jesus.